Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hey guys, Cheese here. This is an interview I did with Aaron, CEO Live from Sherm in Vegas. Unfortunately, my mic had some issues, so I've re-recorded my questions for this edit. Don't worry, the answers sound fine, but there may not be as organic a feel as usual. Enjoy. I'm here. This is me. <laughs> you do exist. I, I'm You're not just a sloth herder yeah. in, uh, in Pittsburgh, which is nice. Some of our listeners don't know you, and they don't know Aaron. Give them the elevator pitch. Yeah, so Aaron is an employee referral and internal mobility platform. We make employees recruiters. I mean, that's our that's our uh, pitch. The outcome of what we do is more hires from employee referrals. So that's what we sell. So what's your background? So I'm actually a nerd gone um, sales guy gone business guy. So degree in computer science. Um, but like super blue collar, mix that all in as well. My dream, and I'm not, I'm not like exaggerating here. I was going to go to college and I was going to be the guy that replaced keyboards for people um, because I thought you could make some good money doing that. Like working in a big business, oh, like Mike, my L key doesn't work. And like I show up and swap it out. They're like, you saved the day. Like that was my mission. I was good at fixing computers, right? And how old were you? I mean, that was college. Like I was going to graduate college and like get, my internships were for Fortune 500 companies like doing back office help desk stuff what did your parents do uh nurse and like machine room right so like like oh this is a college educated boy doing computer stuff <laughs> your dream was to replace the l key now you gotta remember this is like uh tooth uh, the l well it's, this l key specifically yeah but there were other keys that i had my eyes on as well um the this is like 2009 right so like graduating college like you can get a good job like helping people with tech now that was short-lived so i had some internships uh got a basically from there on the, the abbreviated version has got some really cool jobs at startups and only worked at startups essentially my whole professional career and i got to see you know companies go from nine employees to 250 employees and be part of that right so i started essentially as help desk like dream come true right like making 45 grand a year and I made it like going, that going to one Steelers game a year ah, dude, Pittsburgh 45k in 2009 like I mean that was a good out of college job like I was I was not complaining at all and benefits are excellent benefits so anyway I get in there and I quickly realize you know there's a lot of dumb people out there so the if you can talk about complicated things in a way that doesn't make people feel dumb like it's something that people rewarded, and, and that happened at the startups I worked at. So became a sales engineer. So I eliminated the technical hurdles on a sales cycle. Eventually, eventually quit to become a salesperson because I wanted the glory. And then I realized sales is way harder than everybody thinks. I mean, extremely, extremely hard. It's fun to look at. Everyone thinks it's easy because like because their perception of what sales is is what we're doing right now: drinking in Vegas, <laughs> you know, hanging out, expense cards, like. Yeah, they don't realize the average salesperson's life expectancy is like 16 months in a company, right? So, like, it, it's high pressure, but you know, fun. Uh, and then eventually got into to starting a few companies, and now we're here at Aaron. Right? So, what was it about employment that made you say, "Oh yeah, 
I want some of that. My dad, when I was younger, was stiffed out of a referral bonus, and I said, I'm going to fix that. No, I'm, I'm basically Batman, right? Like, it's a, yeah. Honestly, the, the story is kind of unique. I was helping a lot of startups. So again, so I had a lot of startup experience through various companies and kind of like a triple threat in the tech background, sales guy uh, with a touch of marketing, right? And I was working at, call it like a venture builder. It's like a fund that wanted to start companies. And they had several companies and they made the mistake of hiring a bunch of high up people out of big banks. And they're like, here's a company, run it. And they're like, okay, great. They'd have all these ideas like, now who does the work? And I come in and be like, you have to do the work. Like, this is how you do it. Um, and then through that, like recruitment became a focus for us. And eventually, like Aaron was just something I designed like on the side and it became its own thing. Like, so uh, although the reason we started is kind of different than a lot of people out there. It was still like, a, I mean, I designed every pixel from day one. I just went out there and started talking to people in New York. I'm like, hey, like, we're going to do blockchain referrals. This is 2018, right? So like, so blockchain and AI were things we had to say. Now, it's funny because in 2023, you still have to say AI. It's like, come back. The pandemic put it on pause. But like, it's like, no, 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 we'll sell it again. But uh, so I'm out there like blockchain, AI, like displaced recruiters. And people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you can give me more employee referral hires, I'll pay for that. And then, so really just zeroed in on that problem and then built a solution around it. The name Aaron. Yeah. Talk about that. Okay, so the it's an acronym. Uh, employee Referral Invitation Network, right? Ooh. But the real reason, I remember specifically, uh, my kid was like two years old and putting him in the bed and I get this, this email from one of the guys at the Venture Builder, right? And he's like, it's an article about how Companies with human names have higher investments and higher customer satisfaction ratings, right? And it like cited like Marcus, Casper, all these things. And the, and part of their premise was is that it felt like a person and like a more of like a thing rather than like work, right? Like so, if I was like you know employee referral business, right? Yeah. Like who gives a shit about that? So anyway, I got this article. Um, started just thinking of like HR type names, like what's like a fun person in HR? Uh -huh. um, so the first one was Layla. Right? Layla, like Layla app sounds cool. Sure. Layla.com just like tons of porn. Um, so, like, couldn't use that one. So, so Aaron, not as much porn <laughs> yeah, around yeah. the name Aaron. Significantly less porn on Aaron. <laughs> so, then the name kind of Aaron popped in my head. And then, like, the ER was an obvious, like, employee referrals. And then kind of worked the acronym backwards from there. But it worked out. So, we got there. <laughs> Clearly, why Ask Jeeves is still the number one uh, search engine in the world. People <laughs> people really connect with those names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a great example of the success story with Hire. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> so, you mentioned competition and standing out. The referral business, obviously, there's no public company uh, yep. in this business that yeah. has, has struck it rich. Many have come and gone, and I don't, I don't need to sort of turn the pages on those history. But you look at First Bird that was acquired recently. Teamable, uh, work taps, yep. which I got from Google. I actually don't know if I don't even know. If they are. Yeah, don't so, give them any credit. Yes. <laughs> so how are you different? Because yeah, it yeah. seems like companies buy this stuff. They don't like it. No one uses it. They yep. try someone else. How are you guys going to cut through that? I mean, I think there's a few layers there, right? And, and maybe uh, to flip just one page back in the history book. I mean, we were super naive when we started. Like it was, it was not like I came out of like an HR office and I was like, referrals can be better. Like we were just trying to, to build a solid business yeah. um, and, sol and solve just a legitimate like problem. If you get me more referral hires, I'll buy that. That was what everything was based off of. Um, so actually when we started, there was a whole bunch of other companies and the gimmick back in the day 
we didn't even know about half of them. Like we were ignorant, right? Yeah. So the gimmick back in the day was like, connect your network, we'll tell you who to refer. That's actually the whole premise that got the company started. Without that idea of connect your network, we'll make it easier to refer, we would never have started the company. That was our whole pitch back in the day. Yeah. We've gotten off that because we realized one, so there's about five every com- other companies that did that back then. Teamable, Boone, Drafted, all of them have like gone under fire sales or something like that. And it's because they stuck on that. So where we shifted pretty quickly is through the pandemic, we realized that referrals is an enterprise problem. The bigger you are, the harder it becomes to, to get the numbers up. And we solve that at scale, right? So the value exponentially is bigger. What, what got us through, let's just go off track for a second, what got us through some of that up and down of the pandemic is just large enterprise deals. And once we were able to solve that problem for enterprise, we were able to kind of work backwards from there and then educate the lower end of the market on like, this is what you need to go from 10% higher from referrals to 30, 35. Yeah. And then we could start making some big claims about like, look, here's your business at 10%. At 35%, this is what it looks like. Go tell your CFO that, right? Like, so the difference, you know, I think coming full circle on this is like, we're truly like an ROI driven product. Like, dude, we talked earlier today, we had a little session here. I said, if you cannot save money by hiring more employee referral hires, you should not invest in employee referrals. Right. So obviously like, we know that you can save money. Yeah. The trick is, is how do you get there, right? And in part of that play where I think people have missed is one, that they actually didn't listen to their customers. So so the superpower we had, and somebody told me to stop saying this, but I'm gonna keep saying it, is like, like since we had no preconceived notion about what the solution looks like, yeah. we just listened to our customers and built what they needed. And then we were able to sell that to other people, right? So, so some of the things that we're doing, specifically for enterprise, but that again, it's trickled down to mid-market, it, like our competitors don't even touch. Like they, they don't even say the words that we're saying on, yeah. on the sales calls. So, so I feel like we have a little bit of an advantage there, but maybe uh, to wrap it up, when you look at a lot of the acquisitions that have happened, it's definitely been because like, they're like, oh, this is a good feature of something bigger, right? And they bring it in. And, and like, look, it, that could naturally happen to any startup. I think as soon as you get success, somebody wants to make it part of their suite and they're good. Yeah. Yeah. But where we're really, where I'm personally really excited about the future is I think HR tech and, and AI and talent acquisition all together are kind of in a weird spot right now. And what I mean by that is, I mean, realistically, in five, 10 years, you're going to have less people in talent acquisition than you have today. They're, they're being replaced by AI plays and efficiency plays. We're not here to replace recruiters but we're here to keep humans involved in the process. And I think as the dynamic of a talent acquisition team changes, meaning you have more sysadmins than necessarily recruiters, um, keeping humans involved in that process is a really appealing thing to the future. That's not just referrals, it's a lot of things you can get out of that. And so, so we really look at it like we're an employee first product. And now that we're in the employees pockets with 2 million employees using the system in 100 countries, what else can you do for that employee? Right. I will buy into you cannot be an employee referral product forever. If that's all that you ever do, you, there's a ceiling that you'll run into. But I think we have a foundation for some pretty appealing uh, okay. plays, especially because of the mobile play that we have. Okay. Is it fair to say that companies do not have more than one referral solution? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty safe bet. Okay, so you're replacing... And generally, what what someone already has is it like the ATS where yeah. I, everybody hates their ATS? Yeah, everyone yeah. hates their referral program, and they're looking to change. Yeah, and how but, hard is that change to make? Yeah, it's a great question. But honestly, it's it's actually not like replacement would be a big word for it because like because the the ATSs have a feature that allows referrals, but they don't go deep, right? Like it's just like oh, here's like a share button. I mean, that's really what it is. And then you can see if the source is yep. a share or like. 
on the application, hey, how did you get find out about us? And they say, oh, somebody referred me, right? That's that's the extent of the ATS referral programs. Um, the like we go like way deeper about that. And, and the problem with those solutions, so we don't necessarily look at those as competitors, but somebody that doesn't give a shit about raising referrals from 10% to 35%, they're fine with that. Like yeah. so, but they're not our customer anyway, because if they don't care to hire more than 10% higher from referrals, why would they even talk to us? So they're cool with the out-of-the-box tech, but if you want it to be a 35%, none of those solutions can get you there. Yeah. The, the real difference is creating that experience for the employee because the employees don't use the ATSs, right? Those are candidate-focused products. We're an employee-focused product. You did not say the death of recruiting or the recruiter. I want to make that perfectly <laughs> clear. Yeah, yeah. But this feels a lot like a marketing tool to me. Do you see more of what you do and what what more of what marketing does bleed into recruitment and are you sort of in the in the pole position to take advantage of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so with the larger customers that we work with, they'll have like a recruitment marketing initiative, right? Whether they outsource it or um, you know they have somebody dedicated to it. So it's it's interesting uh, when they get pulled into the conversation because it's definitely like a communications issue, right? At first, yeah. like one of, one of the biggest problems for why referral policies fail today is because nobody knows about it, right? And then the second is that nobody knows how to participate, and then the third is that it's a bullshit experience. You have no no idea what happens after yeah. you participate. So communications is a big part of solving all three of those problems. So it's it's starting to get blurry there. And honestly, you know, where I see the business headed is a lot more recruitment marketing as yep. well, but like through the employees. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, we were talking earlier about newspapers and, and whatnot, like, sure. like a billboard to advertise jobs, like maybe effective in some markets, but what's really effective is when you have somebody make a 10 second video on TikTok and they have 50,000 likes. And like nobody wants to see like an ad there. They want to see real people quick hit stuff. So how do you get your employees, like your employees are the ones that have to do it. You yeah. can't manufacture that. So how do you really tap into viral and you got to go through the employees to do that? That's where I see like referrals maturing with technology in general. It's like for, with consumers yep. and, and especially in certain industries, like, you know, we, we were talking earlier, if like, it's one thing, if you're looking for a bunch of, of accountants, but high volume retail, hospitality, yeah. things like that, like you're, you're not, billboards aren't going to work. You need to be a, uh, more in like the current tech, like, glass door reviews super popular. So why can't you reward your employees for helping you with those things? So like employee referrals traditionally is like, get me a hire. Mm -hmm. It's actually not that. It's share this job, push it out there, let the world know that we're hiring, help us with that. And in our whole take with the current product is that you should reward that behavior. Yeah. So if you're sharing a bunch of jobs for me, like I should give you something for that, whether it's a gift card or like a giveaway or whatever it may be. So same thing goes with glass door reviews, viral videos, like those are things that should be rewarded as well. And the other thing people don't think like the first first part of the gig economy was employee referrals, right? It's no different than a, hey, like go drive me here and I'll give you a couple bucks. Yeah. The employee referrals is the same thing. Hey, go be talent acquisition for a day. And I'll give you two grand, right? Like tapping into that and like, pull, I think really pulling back that experience and then breaking that down and spreading that across that tens of thousands of employees. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of rules within a company, not just down in acquisition, I think kind of like um, decentralized, we'll say, and split up like, hey, like I'll give you 50 grand a year to do this job, but I'll give you an extra grand a week if you do this job, yeah. right? Like I think there's going to be a lot of how the world changes in the next 10 years and I hope to be able to capitalize on it. Yeah, it, it's always felt more marketing to me than recruiting. Like Commission Junction was you know, the original or Amazon's affiliate program. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Training people to have a unique URL, share it with the yeah. world and everything bought. That always seemed like a natural fit. And it always seemed like that would be something marketing would understand. Yeah, like yeah. How do we get more 
hires, more exposure to opportunities through that mechanism. There was a company, and part of me thinks this is generational. There was a company called H3 before the car yeah, yeah. Uh, that did this. I only know about them because of your podcast. Because of the Other, podcast. Otherwise, I'm like, who the hell is yeah. that? I've like Googled them and can't find yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> H3. And the founders, a friend of ours of the show, and uh, I had conversations with him about why wouldn't this work? Because I actually joined the service. I knew someone that wanted a recruiting job. I referred them. Yep. They had sort of the, the new, unique URL. They tracked it through the, uh, I guess, ATS at the time. And then I actually literally got a check in the mail because I referred that person yeah. to the job. And that seemed like an amazing business to me. <laughs> like if you could somehow harness that, it didn't work. Yeah. And when you talk to uh, Hans is the guy's name who founded it. When you talk to Hans, he says that social media wasn't there uh, at the time. But more importantly, there was a generational cultural opinion that you don't just shotgun jobs. or yeah. you, you don't. It's something you don't just shout from the mountaintops. Is it your opinion that Gen Z, younger millennials, like they don't give a fuck? They'll yeah, share yeah. the shit. Why they, would I want to get paid. Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you, like, if this is a great point because we have this conversation with customers all the time. One of the questions they'll ask is like, well, if they're sharing it on social, do we want to give them the same amount of credit as if they refer them? I'm like, well, what, what problem are you trying to solve? Start with that. Yeah. And if the problem is that you don't have enough candidates, then who gives a shit, right? Like, get them any way you can. And usually they're like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, and I'll tell you what, once you hit 35% hires from referrals, scale it back. Part of the problem... Uh, going back to your earlier question, where people were just missing, is that is that the the nuanced details of actually taking their paper policy and then putting it into software is really hard to scale, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, do you want to treat a social share different than a direct referral? Your, your program be, better be able to differentiate that yeah. and handle that. And you should be able to have analytics on that as well so that you can make those decisions. And that's that's really what we do. Like that, when I say like your ATS doesn't touch that, your ATS doesn't go that deep. Yep. Like we go like literally as deep as you can on, the, on this topic. And everything we've ever built has like been designed from our customers. Not to get off, too off track, jumping back here. I think that is a little bit data of a mindset, but I also think it's, it's always, again, like what problem are you trying to solve? What outcome are you trying to drive? And if you're having a hard time hiring, I'd say, who cares how you get the candidates as long as they're quality and then have the ability to scale that and calibrate that as you go. So that if you are getting spammed with a bunch of junk, then like maybe maybe that's not part of your plan. Most customers don't care about that right now. Yeah. So your product is primarily employees that work at the company to to empower them to market, share jobs, et cetera. It's not for the the world at large. Yeah. To find out, oh, Microsoft has a job. I, I know I'm not an employee of Microsoft, but I know someone who might be good for this. I'm going to share that. It's not part of that, as I understand. Is it going to be? Do you have an opinion on keeping it in house versus letting the world know yeah. about these opportunities? I mean, this and that's kind of like going back to your H3 question, right? Honestly, that was like the original like ideation of this product, which is like anybody can be a referrer. Actually, a great use of like a decentralized thing, right? Which is like. Log it on the blockchain. And I mean, hire, was it Hired.com? that They, they basically yeah. did this? Yeah. Like, hey, anybody can be a recruiter. Uh, and then they still charge the same bullshit fees that a recruiter, an external yeah. recruiter would charge. But a huge miss, right? Like, yeah. So one, I mean, like, look, marketplaces in general are hard. B2B is a lot different than B2C. And you're essentially talking about mixing both together. And it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of presence to really build that. You know, I do have an opinion that it pulls a little bit too far away from the quality at that point. But the biggest thing, because we, we've tackled that specific problem with some other people, and we've allowed them to do that in certain ways. The biggest thing is taxes. 
Like how do you, if you, if you're giving a real bonus for that or anything worth value, which you need to, to catch anybody's attention, the paperwork is not worth it. Cause I already have 10,000 employees. Why do I need 350 million, right? Like the 10,000 can do it better than the 350 million. And I don't want to have to get 1099s for all of them. Right. Yeah. So like, at least in our customer base, like they're struggling enough as it is in terms of like resources. So then like handle the paperwork for non-employees is, is would be a nightmare. That's usually what kills that conversation. Interesting. We, we can do it, but usually they decide, our customers decide not to do it Got because it. it's just not worth it. Got it. So you raised uh, $5 million late last year. Yep. Uh, what has the money gone toward? Uh, is our do new raises? These Chad and cheese Obviously the Chad and cheese. Yeah, I mean, uh, like these are, these are the, nice ass shirts. <laughs> like, so most of it went to the shirts. Uh, big part of it went to the Chad. The sloths and yeah. the, uh, the, the cardboard Chad and the t-shirts. Yeah. High, it. It's nice cardboard though. And it, it stands up. Really oh, it's, tall. it's a uh, top it's, of the line cardboard so, as only Chad would, would want it. <laughs> so, so we had early success through the pandemic and right after, right? Like we're not like some like instant success story. It was two years of grinding it out. And then the pandemic created a situation where people wanted to invest in more nuanced ways of recruiting and, yeah. and Referrals has always been the gold standard. We got it. Um, so we were able to build enough of like really product market fit over the last two years. That drove the, the round. And that round was based on what we are today and also what we can become going back to some of the other stuff that I just shared with you. So that said, I mean, mostly growth, right? Like, so like you see here, we have the, the bigger booth. I mean, we're not going to be like HR tech crazy big booth. In the booth. Yeah, a few uh, more people. So we hired salespeople, marketing people. We doubled the size of the company in the last you know, six months. But we're still, I'll tell you, raising money um, last year was a really cool experience because like we were profitable uh -huh. and then raised money and you know, just advice for other entrepreneurs out there. It's 2023. If you do not have a path to profitability or you're not profitable already, you're not getting the money you want. Yeah. So like that has to be a number one focus. So while we're spending that to grow faster and it's been working, we're still like super cautious of just like what's next and what's the world going to bring to us. And we want, we want like our growth to kind of, to fund that more than yeah. anything. So, so the round has been awesome. It's given us flexibility, but more than anything, like our, our customer base has been growing the business. So are you actively looking for new funding? It sounds from like, from your comments that it's yeah, a much yeah, more I mean, challenging environment. These shows are like half, half, uh, I said wolves and I'm a little sheep, right? Uh -huh. Like they're all just like circling me. Like there he is, <laughs> get him, get him. I think, uh, part of a CEO's responsibility is always fundraising. Um, whether you need the money or not, you should always have options. Um, the The time we're in right now is uh, the people that need the money, the people with it don't want to give it to them, and the people that don't need the money, the people with it want to give it to them. Uh, we want to be in that second category, right? So, yeah. so we operate our business as if we're never going to raise another round again. However, um, like, look, I mean, I, I just I told you the 10 year plan, which is there'll be less people in talent acquisition. They'll have different roles. It's like when okay. ATMs came to banks, right? Everybody thought, oh, like, we're never going to have tellers again. It's like, no, like, the, the jobs are still there. They just did different things, right? So AI is coming in, and uh -huh. <laughs> that's your ATM. I think the space is going to change pretty dramatically over the next 10 years. And I, I like the fact that so many businesses have done refer referrals and have failed. And one thing investors always start with is like HR tech's a crowded space. I'm like, it's a crowded space with a bunch of bullshit. It all looks like crap. None of it integrates or works the way you think it does. So when you get good products in there, there's actually a lot of, there's a ton of potential for yeah. this space. And we want, to, we want to be on the, not only the cutting edge, I'd say even the bleeding edge of that at some point. Um, so referrals is a pretty safe and traditional play, yeah. but I see a ton of potential. So our future rounds of funding would fund those bigger efforts. Okay. And, and like I said, 
you know, being a referral product forever, like our story could be that we just get gobbled up like the others have, or we can drive some really cool shit in the future. And, and really cool shit takes a lot of money. I like cool shit. You mentioned integrations. How important has that been to your growth? A hundred percent. So listen, I'll tell you, I didn't know what an ATS was when I launched this company. That, that's how outside I was, right? I'm, I'm not kidding. And I'll tell you, um, trying to think of all the assholes that told me no in the beginning. Like there, there was a list of ATS. They were like, uh, you ever seen, remember the show, uh, was it uh, Billy Madison? Yeah, the movie. Yeah, or the movie. But when he calls the one dude and he's like, hey, I just wanted to apologize for being a dick to you in high school and he like crosses them off the kill list. Uh-huh. Like that's like, that was like me with ATSs back in the day. I'm like, these are, the, these are all the dudes that told me no, uh-huh. right? We're not going to touch your startup. You can't integrate with us. And then I did it anyway. And then they came back and they're like, Oh, like you actually know when people are unhappy with our product because they're investing in things that we do poorly, yeah. which is referrals. So maybe we should actually be friends with you. So like, I love hate relationship with some, but um, critical. I mean, like every, we have one customer that's not integrated. Wow. Every, so not only ATS is, we do the full tech stack at this point. So as our product evolved, we realized you needed like, it's not just about candidates. It's also about, hey, like employees and like eligibility, that stuff's not in the ATS. It's in the HRIS system. So uh, we integrate there. We integrate uh, with single sign-on. Um, so it's truly the whole tech stack, but out of our own ignorance, the way we did that was basically out of those systems into ours. So it's made those integrations a lot more painless than people expect so that we can come in and like, look, if you're a greenhouse customer, you plug in the API and it works. If you're Workday, it's like, here's the RAS report we need. And like, they're, they're okay, we're ready to do that for our website. So so we keep it pretty standard and that's allowed us to, to streamline that and, and make it, you know, honestly, probably the easiest like full tech, HR tech stack integration that people have done. You said referrals were the gold standard of recruiting. Why? There's a few reasons for it. And one, I mean, it, the, the, when you think about starting a company, you, really what you're looking for is something that's done on spreadsheets today and you want to make it better, right? Because if they're doing it on spreadsheets, that means they're doing it and it's important to them. But I mean, everybody's had a referral policy for decades. The, the referrals are the gold standard because one, it's a faster hiring cycle. And it gives you a better, better quality candidate. And that's measured really by retention, right? And the biggest reason for that, people don't always think about this, is that when you get a referral, they actually know shit about your business that your job description is not telling. Yeah. Like the dirty laundry has been aired. It's like, yeah. here's how it works. And here's what the job really is. And when you get a high quality referral that comes through that, they know what they're getting into. And they already have some people inside the business. So they, you know, like culturally, it's easier to fit in faster. Um everybody listening to this has either been hired by a referral or have made a referral before. Like, this is my buddy. They're a good person. I worked with them before. You're basically putting out some credibility for them and you're, you're like putting your reputation within the company on the line. And so that, that creates overall just a better candidate for everybody. One of the criticisms of referral programs is this uh, DEI. Yeah, this it is. is. Yeah, it is. I, know, as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, like, like I know where you're going with I'm this. I'm trying yeah, to yeah. sound really smart yeah. with my question. Yeah, uh, which never works anyway. But yes, <laughs> it's if if I just empower my employees, they're yep. all going to look the same because they all know people. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. You clearly don't agree with that, but why not? Well, no, uh, well so so like you're basically saying you're anti DEI on your employee base, which is kind of fucked up. But I I hear the premise. We actually. So we talked about buzzwords, right? So 2018 was blockchain and AI. 2019 was DEI. Do you remember that? Like, sure. if you didn't have a DEI we product, a like, oh, dude, we were early stage startup. We had a DEI in play. I mean, and, and it actually worked. So what we did is, is we had a, um, it's a diversity higher um, incentive, right? 
So you can plug this into anything you want. Like if you want to hire a woman on the sales team or, uh, you know, veterans, right? Uh, whatever it may be, essentially, and now we didn't source any data on it. We just said, hey, if you want to reward people actually participating in your DEI effort, here's a way to actually do that. Because the, the problem with DEI is that it's limited to just a talent acquisition team, right? Yeah. In marketing, obviously, right? So, so what I mean by that is like, it's easy to say we have a DEI initiative, but to actually get your company to do that at whole, you actually have no way to do that. So when you say, hey, but we'll reward you and pay you to participate in that process, because that's important to us as a business, so much so that we'll pay you double the referral bonus if you give us a DEI hire, uh, then we'll be good. So what we did is essentially like, if the ATS tells us, this person's qualified. Like we, we do nothing to source because uh, you know that it's just a slippery slope right there. But it basically, if, if and it could just be a recruiter checking the box at the end of the day, it then triggers a, like a bigger bonus amount for that employee, and it, it notifies them like, hey, you've participated in the DI program. Here's a bigger bonus. So I'll give you a simple example. We had a customer in Spain, so all the all the people in legal right now are like just licking their chops, like you gotta go after them. So this is in Spain, they're not in the US. And I always tell people, we gotta talk to your legal team before we yeah. do anything, like we're just the product. Their sales team was heavily male dominated, so they double the bonus if you uh, refer a female to work uh, in the sales team. So a simple example, but it's effective. Yeah. And it says, this is what we wanna do as a business and we'll pay you for it. There are a lot of people here at the Sherm National Show. It's a general show. You're getting a lot of people that are in their 20s or just getting started yeah, yeah. out in the profession. For the listeners out there who are new to referrals, they're just starting to look at companies and solutions, what kind of questions should they be asking? What kind of things should they be looking at to justify uh, who they pick to run their program? Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think it's um, the very first thing is What's your policy look like? And if you're going to work with a vendor like like Aaron, can they actually automate every part of your policy? Because the whole point is to eliminate manual work. And by eliminating manual work, you can actually give real-time feedback to your employees. So like it's it's not just making your job easier, it's making the experience better for everybody. Yep. So eliminating that manual work is key. Uh, the second thing is most people approach this from like a one-size-fits-all solution. But the reality is, especially if you're a large enterprise, it's like you're going to have hundreds or thousands of locations in multiple countries. And usually the policies are broken down that way. And whether you want to maintain that or not, the reality is some people, some areas, locations, branches, countries, they're going to perform better than others. And not only does the product need to be able to understand that structure, but it needs to be able to give you analytics. Because like, look, tech is tech. You need to know what's working and you need to double down on that. So by getting analytics broken down saying like, hey, it turns out nursing in Manhattan, we're getting through the roof referrals for it, but in Pittsburgh, we're getting none. Like, why is that? Maybe it's a manager problem. Maybe it's a communication problem. But if you don't have that data point, you can't make that decision. So regardless of how good the tech is, like it needs to be, it needs to break down the data in a way that you can ingest that and make decisions. Because it's like you launch this thing, Six months later, you got to relaunch it, right? You're going to take what's good, double down on it, take what's bad and cut it out. So th those are the two big things. Automate the policy completely and then make sure that it's set up to structure the data in a way where you can get intelligence that you don't have today. Yeah. And how is your pricing structured and how is it different than maybe some of your competitors? Yeah, so early on when we launched, we came out. I mean, Rule Point was the big, they were big dogs back in the day. It was fun because like immediately we launched and we're competing with the big dogs in space, a 30 employee company, like, man. So we went head to head with them. They got bought up a job bite uh, and that kind of cleared the space. There was a bunch of other players in the space. 
and we we actually brought their pricing down because we got so effective so early on and we were just kind of like desperate for sales i'm not gonna lie that it like dragged everybody else down to them for them to price match us as our product uh outplayed theirs so uh when that happened it kind of set the standard we do it based on number of employees that you have right so whether you're using the product or not is how big of a company are you and part of that is because we have features that are focused on all employees, marketing to them, getting them, onboarding them into the system, processing their eligibility data, um, and giving you analytics on it, you know, even if you have you know, 50% using it. So, so we base it on your size. We take that into account. And then now we have different things that you can add on. We fully white label our product for our enterprise customers. Okay. So like that, that's a small extra fee. We don't we try to say like we don't make any money on it, but it's more work. So, but it makes adoption easier, right? So it's something we want, we really encourage our customers to do, but it's essentially how big are you and what features do you want, but the foundation's the size. So you're saying size matters at Aaron. You know what? Thankfully, this is I'll not- I'll get to the, the next question. This is not the case in college for me, <laughs> but now size does matter. I'll let you out on this. Uh, we're here in the Aaron booth. We're giving away Chad and Cheese t-shirts. The only thing more popular than the Chad and Cheese t-shirt is the sloth. Is the sloth. Tell me about the sloth. Yeah, great, great question. Scrappy young startup. We actually come to our first Sherm a couple years ago. They re- they moved it multiple times because of the pandemic. They ended up putting us up front, like in this. We had this awesome booth spot, and where the question was like, "What are we going to give away?" And my past experience in startups, I'm like, "Nobody wants your garbage." Mm-hmm. Like they're going to throw it out. They throw away the cheap T-shirts. That's why we have to do the higher quality. You you wrestled us into the eleven dollar T-shirts oh, instead of the yep. six dollar ones. I liked the scratchiness of the six dollar ones, but you know whatever. Hey, you can uh, have all the beefy tees. Yeah. As, well, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but it's like, what are you going to give away? That somebody actually will keep and not like just throw away. And the real answer to that is something they can give their kids. So we got these floppy arm sloths, floppy arm sloths. People, they ate them up. I mean, lines around the booth and it just kind of became our thing. So like we're the sloth people now, like we have t-shirts with sloths on it. It, the, The company culture like it's really good to anchor early stage startup because like, like you're gonna work yourself like 60 hour weeks. Everybody's busting their ass. Anchor the culture in something silly, and it's sloths. Like we have, you know, sloth posters in the office. Uh, I told you earlier, all our conference rooms are sloth. Like movies replaced with sloths. Like uh-huh. instead of Jaws, it's Claws yep. and Slothman prophecies. Clever. So like, and not only that, like our customers really enjoy it as well. So we'll send them care packages. It's crazy how much sloth shit you could buy on Amazon. Like, but it's all <laughs> over our office. Like we need, we needed a coat hanger. And I'd search for sloth coat hangers oh and they exist, God. right? Like, Jeez. so yeah, it's just anchored in, like, it was like just an innocent was thing. Was the fact that Marketing. sloths are slow the, put uh, into the equation? It's just like we came with the name and worked backwards on the acronym. It's like okay. we make your slowest uh, recruiters fast or slowest. I mean, I like the no pressure, thing. the no stress. Yeah, like, uh, I get okay. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will use that <laughs> one moving forward. Yeah, so anyway, so the sloths mean like no pressure, no stress, yep. things like that, right? All right. All right. Good enough. <laughs> Well, Mike, thanks for hosting us here at uh, Sherm. For our listeners that want to know more about you or the company, where would you send them? They will go to AaronApp.com, E-R-I-N-A-P-P.com. I can dig it. And we have closed down. The lights are going out they got at dim. Sherm. <laughs> Another one in the can. Thanks for sitting down with us. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. 
No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. <laughs>